Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Hallelujah. He is so good. How many of y'all know God don't make no jump? Hmm? God don't make no jump. You spent old songs that I don't know what you came to do, but I come to praise the Lord. I come to worship today, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know what I'm believing? I'm just going to go ahead since everybody else is giving forecasts and different things. And I just want to tell you that I'm expecting for the Lord to save. I'm expecting for Him to heal. I'm expecting for Him to deliver. Praise be to God. I'm expecting that today. We do it a lot, but go ahead and turn to somebody. Don't look at their belly. Say, are you expecting? Go ahead. You know how we do that. Just be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Father God, we just come before you this morning. We invite you into this place. We ask that you would just let your Holy Spirit flow from one to another today, God. That we would leave all the distractions behind. That our focus would be on you. And that you, God, would fill this place with your presence. We pray that every chain would be broken. Every wall tore down. Everything that has kept us from your presence, God, we lay it down this morning. And we seek you above all things. We magnify your name today and we worship you. God, forgive us where we have failed you and let us move into your presence today. Saturate us with who you are. God, we praise you. We know that you're going to be the healer in this house. You're going to be our savior. You're going to be the one that restores relationships. You're going to be the one that redeems our hearts, God. Just draw us into your presence today. Let us have ears to hear and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know why we don't just take a moment to praise him right there. The Word of God said, Therefore the redeemed shall return and come with singing unto Zion. It even speaks of everlasting joy being upon their head. How many of you would love today for the Lord just to open the windows of heaven, just the very portals, and pour it out today? Well, the Word of God says you have not. You have not. Why not give the Lord some praise this morning, man? He's worth it, isn't he? Amen. Seems like the Word of God said that we need to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, and I want to tell you this, man. Hell, hell wants to, he, he wants to steal anything that he can today. The enemy does. Hmm. You got to make up your mind. I ain't going to give him my worship. 
When the Word of God said, you shall have no other gods before me, he meant it. He meant it. <laughs> have you ever had those times where you don't even feel like worshiping? Sure you have. I'll answer for you. Bet how many of you did it anyway? You know, I get thinking about, if, I, if I'm the boy, if I'm the young man with, got a little bit of fish and chips, you know, and they come to me saying, hey, we need that. I'm thinking, really? Really? You know, the real part of that today is this, is that if you'll give God what you got, he won't just feed you. He'll feed people around you. Just out of obedience. You'll think five loaves and two fish, what are they among so many? That's what those that were hanging out with him said. Can I tell you? God works off a of seed, not abundance. And that's the reason it's him. And if you'll give God a seed of praise, man, if you'll just thank him. Let me tell you when it messes hell up. is when you shouldn't be raising your hands, but you do it anyway. That's the sacrifice of praise, man. That's, that's really where things begin to shift and things begin to change. How many of y'all would fight somebody else if the Lord was just going to pour it out on one? How many of you would fight somebody else for that blessing today? All right. Then if you'd fight them, why don't you just tell hell right now, you can't have my blessing. If y'all willing to fight me over it, you might as well be willing to fight hell over it. I believe today that the Lord has appointed unto each and every one of us a blessing. And I mean that. Hell ain't going to like this message I'm fixing to preach. So I'm going to need some intercessors to pray throughout. And, uh, you know, we've been tackling some tough stuff, man. We've been talking about seducing spirits, evil spirits, unclean spirits. We've been talking a lot about spirits. Can I tell you today, in the midst of all of them, I just want to declare today that I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. Amen? I am. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. You know, today, the Lord has, has laid something. I'm going to use it. It'll have, two, it'll have really two, two thoughts today in this. How many of you believe in the afterlife? All right, I'm going to talk about that today if the Lord help me. But it's not going to be the way you think. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Job chapter 42. Before you even get there, turn to somebody and say, I thank God for chapter 42. You'll understand more in a minute. How many of you brought your Bible today? Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. See, we ain't got no song books. You can't cheat today. How many of you think everybody else ought to bring a Bible? Oh, look, he's, he's already on me. He's on me. He's on me. I ain't condemning you, but I want to tell you, man, bring your Bible. If you got a highlighter and you don't believe it's sacrilegious to write in your Bible or mark things in your Bible, just, man, just tag it in there when the Lord speaks to you because you're going to get stuff. What the Holy Spirit, understand this is that the Holy Spirit is, is, is a magnifier. He magnifies Jesus. And what he does, not only does he magnify, but he multiplies. So I will give you something that the Lord probably has laid on my heart. And what will happen is that God will multiply that in your life. You'll see things more than what I, as I say things. You'll see things more than what I say. 
That's the way the Holy Spirit does. Because what Holy Ghost does is he's truly an he's an illuminator. And what he can speak to is the particular situations in our life, Kim, that I may know nothing about, but Holy Ghost does. And he's able to do that. So today, if I was to title this message, it would be called The Afterlife. My focus will be on the word after. Now, how many of you have ever read the book of Job? All right, how many of you think we all should? Brother Wayne, could you give me something else besides Job? That's tough. There's a reason that you hear about the patience of Job. And the reason I'm saying today that I'm so thankful for chapter 42 is because in the times, Brother Josh, that we wonder, is it worth it? I thank God for the end. So I'm going to start at the end today because that's the way God sees us. God sees our end from the beginning. You read from right. You read from left to right. God reads from right to left. Understand? And so today, the enemy wants you at the beginning. He wants to determine, try to be the author of your life. And he wants to try to write your script. And he wants to try to do all these things that he can. And the sad thing today is that many people, even Christians, are allowing him to do it. How many of you know we win? About five. I'm going to ask you again. How many of y'all know we win? So I'll start here at the end. Verse 16. After this, lived Job 140 years, and he saw his sons, and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died, being old and full of days. Come on, pray with me, Lord. Your word today. I'm just believing, God, great things. I'm believing today, God, that you're going to send this message to every soul that is hungry, God. And every dry well that's here today, Lord, I just pray that the latter rain would flood and fill those, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that even the rivers of living water would begin to flow up within this body. And that, God, we would be, be able to take dominion and even authority over the things, God, that the enemy has tried to ascribe to each and every one of us. Today, Lord, I know that the flesh is weak. I know the spirit's willing. But, God, I pray for more than just the willingness of spirit. I pray for the overflow today of the spirit. God, I pray for an abundance, Father, that's poured out just out on one but everybody. That, God, just as we've even mentioned before, let the glory, mm, let your train fill this temple every part of this place in Jesus name amen and amen before you sit down turn to somebody and say what are you going to do after this what are you going to do after this thank you Jake can we thank God for these folks up here aren't they awesome man I love them them. so the title today is the afterlife now, I've got part two to this, kind of. I'm already heading in that direction. I'm not going to be able to preach out part two today because you're going to be, I just want you to get part one. But as I start today, I want you to know that the enemy is against you. He's against you because the more or the closer you get to Christ, the more you start looking like Christ. And the closer you get to the Creator, the more the creation begins to understand that. It's not just in the way that you look outwardly, but it's the way that you act inwardly. It becomes who you are, not just on Sunday, but it becomes you 
of who you are on Monday. And what the enemy is really out to do is to keep you from your destiny. He's to keep you from the things that God has promised you. The enemy is good at his job, and I'll tell you this, and when I do that, not giving him any praise, honor, or even glory, but I can tell you this, he's very structured. And he understands hierarchy. He understands principle. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know it all like God does. He can't be everywhere like God is. He's not that. And he's not even all-powerful. But Job, in the book of Job, it gives us a wonderful insight into the unseen realm that many of us asked before, what in the world is going on? Well, that's come out of my mouth several times over the past two and a half years. And I've said, Lord, what in the world is going on? And the enemy, by fear and by doubt and by seemingly really precise things, has tried to steal, kill, and destroy any dream or any destiny that God has for the people of God. I want to declare today that my God, as I do most often, most every Sunday, I want to declare today that my God is alive today, He's well today, and He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even ask or think. So even more than I'm asking, even more than I can think, the Holy Ghost can assure me that in that multiplication that God can bring me more than I'm even asking for. What I'm saying is this. Just when you're begging for a crumb, God says, listen, I want to give you more than the crumb. I want to give you the whole loaf of my presence. And the enemy is doing what he can to keep you from that. So Job gives us this wonderful insight of where does this come from? I'll be paraphrasing a lot, but if you'll flip back to chapter 1 in Job, you're going to find that Job is being attacked from something. He doesn't see it, yet it's real. The Word of God says that Satan and even the sons of God come before God. God asked him, says, where? He says, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming to and fro, going up and down. And if you look, you can see the pattern of the enemy and how that he wants to do our own life. And so many times what he'll do is if if we're not careful, he'll shake you and I like a rag doll. But here's the thing, and you find out that even in your own life that you're being pulled. You're being pulled by by whatever it is, whether it's self, whether it's addiction, whatever that it is. It could be your own thought processes, whatever, but you're being pulled. And you can see even how the enemy works. And not just in that, Brother Frank, but also in the up and down. I've seen so many Christians that are up and down. Could there ever be a time where you could just declare that in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be up, I'm going to stay up, I am up. Listen, it's more than your mindset. It's more than how you feel. We are built by our faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And God said that He would reward those that diligently seek Him based upon that very principle of faith. That He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the enemy begins to show us his pattern. And so if you're wondering, why am I so scattered? Why do I seem pulled here? Why do I seem pulled here? When we talked about those doors that are being opened, not just the door that no man can shut at the Philadelphia church, not just the Laodicean church in which Jesus is on the outside of the church or on the outside of that, but then after this I looked and there we were and beginning to see glimpses of heaven and His glory in Revelation chapter 4. 
But now, because this nation has come, I'll go back and rehash some, is to tell you this. Just as this world can declare what it wants to, and this nation says this is no longer a Christian nation. Can I tell you, as, as God is trying to be removed from our schools, even removed from our churches, taken out of our pulpits, taken out of our pews, as all of that is happening, the door to the enemy now is being opened, and these ancient spirits and these ancient things that were once of old now are trying to move in and press in. Be a good time for me to start right now and declare. Say it with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. All right. Glory be to God. I may be with you here for another hour or maybe two hours. Not two hours, Pastor. Not two, not two hours. But listen, after I leave, after you leave, can I tell you, I may go, you may go, but Jesus is the staying kind. Anybody know that kind of Emmanuel, God with me? And so as we see this now, as portals are being opened, the, the, the portals of the occult and those portals of those things that are going on, now you're going to see Satan at work in days of old. Do you know that, that Job is really not considered a historical book because it doesn't time frame it? Most would describe that it's the first book written. Even before Genesis. People would do that. It's more of a poetic. It takes on Ecclesiastes. It takes on the Song of Solomon. Even Psalms and Proverbs. Those type within that realm. And the reason for that is got to tell you this. Is that not necessarily that I can give it a time. And not even that I could say how long this was going to go on with Job. But I can tell you this. That regardless of how long. That regardless of what comes. God is looking. For people that will serve him until the end. So as the enemy comes, he tells and he begins to lay this out. And scripture opens this up for us about the demise of the enemy and what he's out to do. God said, have you considered my servant Job? And I know if you've read that at any point, you're thinking, I hope he don't say that about me. And yet what you're going to see is an acceleration here. And I'm going to show you four things that the enemy is after. Okay, he's, there's four things. And this is the afterlife. I'll get to chapter 42 unless Jesus comes back. Or I'll go home to be with him even in the brevity of time here that I may have. I don't know. So you've got to see here. Go ahead and turn your Bible there to chapter 1. In verse 13. How many of you love the word? Now, as you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and lay the preface to this whole thing. The afterlife. Here a while back, I talked, Sharon, you may remember, I talked about the three most important days in a champion's life. The day before, the day of, and the day after. Now, you've got to understand today that I'm going to be preaching about the afterlife, so it's going to refer to the day after. And even the time span of after. I wrote this down. In our lives, there's no more important day than the day after. Now, the only way, the way that I mean this is this. It's the course, relevance, and significance, Kathy, that is set by the day before. And what it held or the impact it would have going forward, it is marked by the triumph, tragedy, joy, sorrow, gain, loss, even hurt or healing. Are, are you with me? Because, see, here's what you and I have to understand. The day after is tied to the day before. And even when we begin to think about that, you can think about the different realms that it's in. The days of joy, the days of sorrow, the days of hurt, the day of healing. You look at the markers that are in your life and the days that have had an impact on you. It could be the day that you were married. It could even be the day you may, I ain't going to speak it. be the day you were married. The day you had the child. 
The day you got the prognosis, the day you got the diagnosis, the day you got whichever gnosis. All of those things have impact, and this is the day after. And I want to preach to that. And the fact that the enemy has a direct part in that, even for a Christian's life and for even those that love God. So when you look at that, here's four things that I can tell you that the enemy wants to do. I'm going to slow down today. Just go ahead and pray. Let him slow down, Lord. I'm going to give you four things that the enemy is after. Number one, I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Look at verse 13. And there was a day. So there was a day. There was a day when the Word of God said that Job's sons were eating and drinking. His family were doing that. And there came a messenger. Look at verse 14. And there came a messenger up to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses were feeding beside them, or the donkeys. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped to tell thee. Now stay with me right here for a minute. You're going to see this. How many times in your life or in my life you say, Where is this coming from? Can I declare today that God is good? So we've got to determine this very thing. So now we see in Scripture that God is permitted, however, not caused. Because this is really going to be where the enemy wants to get you in the end. And this is where so many Christian people are being sifted right now in their minds. Did God cause this? Or did God allow this? Did God permit this? The fact of the matter is this, is that when we see Scripture, the enemy is up to no good. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, as simple as this sounds, I want to show you the Sabaeans felt, which was a tribal people, that had come. And what did they do? Look at the first thing that they took. They took their oxen and they took their donkeys. Now, somebody says, well, what relevance is there in that? Well, the fact is, is that, you know, I fire up my old John Deere tractor and go out and plow a field. They use their oxen. They use their donkeys. They use those things. The first thing that the enemy shows us here, Brother Frank, is this, is that he, the enemy wants to attack your provision. He wants to affect you financially, economically, in any way that it can because you and I both know that if he hits that, it doesn't just hit your wallet, it hits your mind. And what the enemy wants to do to you today is tell you that you lack so why would he have done it? The first thing that he hits is he wants to hit that provision. Let's go ahead and say this together. Say, my God shall supply all of my need. Say, all of my need according to his riches in glory. If you believe that, give God praise and run hell out of here. Somebody said, why do you do that? Lisa, why do we do that? Because can I tell you something? I want you and I to be able to speak that. I want this body to be able to speak those things together and declare that my God shall supply all of my need. Even when I don't have two nickels to rub together. Even when my bank account says I'm overdraft. I know that my daddy, hallelujah, doesn't just give me the hamburger. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. So the enemy will get you to doubt by lack and say, see what I've taken. See what I've taken. Now you need to hear me because the enemy will want you to stay there and focus on what he, what he tries to take. Do not focus on what the enemy has taken, but rather what God has given. The first thing that he hits, do you realize that his name is Jehovah Jireh for a reason? That he is my provider. You're probably thinking, why does he always do that? Woo! Because I get happy. And it may be to wake those up that are sleeping. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh. 
that is shown to us in Genesis chapter 22. Meaning, Sue, this is beautiful. That not only does God see it, but he provides it. There as Abraham was taking Isaac there. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. That listen, when you think that it's not going to work out and you don't see it, every step you're taking, there's a ram in the thicket that's taking another step. Say, my God will provide. So hell wants to tell you that it's based upon you. Tax. The oxen, he attacks the sheep. He attacks your provision. I remember days and days gone by. <laughs> I remember when Logan got married. <laughs> Logan and my kids, man, I'll tell you what. we were, How many of y'all know what a fish stick is? My kids thought that when they went fishing, that bluegill didn't look like anything in that fish stick box. Logan gets married, and Logan tells his wife, he says, he tells Brandon, he said, hey, we're going to get some fish sticks. He said, what's that? They got them fillets and different things, not being critical of them. But Logan said, I thought a fish was in the shape of a stick until I was about 12. <laughs> huh? You know, it takes faith when the bill's coming in the mail, and you're looking down the end of more plastic than you are bread. And that baby boy here's got an earache and you don't have the money for what was it, Amy, the augmenting or whatever that it was and you're giving him that augmenting and it costs more than you're making seemingly and all those things. And not only that, but it tears his tummy up. It tears everything else up. And there he is and you don't have any relief for him and he's crying at 1 o'clock in the morning. Mama's rocking him. I'm rocking her. And God's rocking us saying, don't you worry. I'm going to take care of you. I'll never forget, God comes in the mailbox, doesn't he? I've seen him come in the mailbox. I've seen a man when it was thousands of dollars that we owed because I had that place in my leg and it's still robbed from here to here and a hip screw and all this kind of stuff. You say, that boy walks with a limp. I sure do, but I've had a Jacob experience. That's another story. I've wrestled with God to be right here where I am right now <sighs> until I found out. That he's the one that took me from being a lie, a cheat, and a supplanter to being somebody that. And what he did for me, he's going to do for you. Anybody hearing me back in there? God's not a respecter of persons. Thousands of dollars. I'll never forget his name was Dr. Owen K. Hitt. If I've got that right, I went. And I went up there. Y'all got to let me get this out. Leaving the door open and said, you got to get in there now. We know what that is. And you know what it is, too, when you've got a, a cyst in your leg and it's in your bone. And, and they tell you this, and they leave the door open. The doc says, don't let him put it off. I come in. I done told him. I said, I can't. You're going to be off work five months. I said, I've got a, I've got a boy that ain't a year old. Long story short, God provided they went in what was supposed to be two hours with six hours in a surgery. You all know that. We all got our story right. I just want to tell you this. I'm giving value to a limp. By the way, turn to somebody and say, don't trust anybody without a limp. Y'all, want, You want more than that. We want more than that, right? Don't trust anybody that has not wrestled God to figure out what their destiny. Am I talking to anybody yet? Amen, Master Chief. Huh. Shh. 
And I remember us coming in five months off of work, drawed one check of $108 over the course of five months that I can remember, a few dollars here or there. I thought, my goodness, what's going on? I started buying halters and lead ropes and things like that and different things and was stocking a shelf at another place and different things, and God made a way. I'd buy an old washer for $25, do a little work to it, sell it for 50 By the way, I'm not working on your washer or dryer. But God will provide. But when it means something and what's worth something, Ashlyn, is when he lets us be part of his blessing. And doing the small things like you all got, how many of y'all got a story? All right, let me preach mine like it's yours then. That come and we get the bill in and said, you know, you've got them too. Doctor said they're going to pay this much, they're going to pay that much. And you know, then you're like, I got that much. You get to call, you know, you got this much. and say, okay, look, we ain't aimed to cheat you. We're going to pay it. I don't know whether we'll have 10. I don't know whether we'll have 20. But we're going to pay you. And when it's thousands and 10 and 20, literally, is a drop in the bucket to a big barrel. We made a few payments, and we kept going. Stay with me, by the way. I'm saying my God will provide. I'm telling you, when, you, when you're there and you're the one still limping around and you're working to pack a youngin, and a lot of the weight was on this one. One day we checked the mail. She comes in, I'll never forget it. I'm on that. She come in the house. Tears. I said, oh, it's from the doctor. He wanted it all now. Never forget. I looked on that and it said paid in full. Let me help you a minute because sometimes that five or ten dollars, when you're scraping the bottom of your bucket, God's got something more. Just be honest before God. Just be real before God and said, I ain't aimed to cheat you. I ain't aimed to do that, but this is what I got. And I'm gonna try to give it. I'm gonna try to do it. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything that he can. Listen, Ron, this wasn't just about my livelihood. This was about a boy that was just turning a year old. And the enemy wants to attack. How many of you in this place right now, you need a financial and economical, you need a miracle. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of it. Watch this. I'm going to mess y'all up. How many of y'all want your house paid off? You have not because you raised not. Let me say this. Let me tell you something. Do you know there's nothing wrong? Now watch this. I don't preach this stuff much for the wrong. I, mm. There is nothing wrong with asking God, Lord, I want this home paid off. I'll use this home for your glory and for your purpose. You give me this. There is nothing wrong with that. You all know I'm not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You know I'm not. But I'm telling you right now, ask God. Ask Him and let Him know the desires of your heart. And say, Lord, you do it. Only about five of you. Only about five. I don't know how many. I've always said five. A few of you raised your hand. I'm going to ask you again. How many of you would like to be debt free? Whoo. Rest of you, they're going to be people running here around here like crazy and going to tell all their bills have been paid off and they're living free. And you're going to say, why didn't I raise my hand? Let me move on. The enemy wants to hit you with lack. 
He wants to tell you that I've got to get to the second point. When you see that, you'll find that the Sabaeans came and not only did they take the oxen, not only did they take the donkeys, not only did they try to take that, but they also killed the ones that were working them. Let's look at the second point that he does. The second day that, the thing that he does is this. You can find, and then the Sabaeans fell upon him, verse 15. We see that. Now look at verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came another. Let me show you about where we are living. How many of you say, not again? How many times have we said, not again, over the past two and a half years? Not again. Not again. You've got to be kidding me. Right? How many of you have one flat tire? How many of you have two at the same time? How many of you blamed it on the devil? Can I tell you, talk to your roofer if you just had it redone. He may have left some nails in your driveway. Here's the part that I'm telling you. Do not ascribe to the enemy any of these things. Listen, this stuff can come. It will come, but I want to help you with this. This is the part. There was a day that when all of these things come, and now it's getting real. So the word said, while he was yet speaking, the acceleration, there came unto him one another and said this from heaven. Get my glasses. That his fire fell from heaven. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I'm only escaped alone to tell thee. There's significance in this because when it says the fire of God fell from heaven, most likely lightning. And what has happened is that he had all these sheep. Man, he had a huge number of sheep. Now it's getting real. The devil is moving into another area. Why did he want the sheep? Because Job was a man that sacrificed. And most likely what he sacrificed was the sheep. And he knew the power of the blood. And if you'll read back in the earlier verses, you're going to find that he would offer a burnt offering for his children. And in that, he would offer that. So then what does the enemy want next? He wants your provision, but now what he wants is your sacrifice. So he's targeting this. And I can tell you that a lot of Christians today are finding themselves really empty because they have forgotten the power of sacrifice. We have forgotten the power of sacrifice. Listen, this wasn't no ordinary offering that he had been offering. He'd been offering it for his children in case they were doing something wrong or not living godly. He was offering that on behalf of his children. This was not a peace offering. This was not a wave offering. This was not a grain offering that I don't have time to get into. This was a burnt offering, meaning that it was completely consumed. It was nothing left but ashes. Everybody wants to feel the beauty and feel the promises of God and all of those things and walk in or come into the beauty of His holiness and all those things, but we forget that it's still a burnt offering. That's where the ashes bring beauty in your life. And it's when we are consumed that our God is a consuming fire. The enemy wants to take your worship. Let me tell you, you know what? What is worship? Or what is that sacrifice? See, most people don't understand that these sheep were very dear to this farmer. Not only were they also a point of provision, but for that one special lamb that it would be, you could see this in the book of Exodus. I don't have time to deal with all this, but here's the thing. They would raise that up. They would nurture that even in their own home. It become more. It was more than that. Now, you're going to think this sounds strange, but it was almost like a pet that they raised in the way, and that was the very thing that they were to sacrifice. The kids came to where they would love that lamb. I love that lamb. 
This is the real part of this, guys. This is now today, the very thing that we love seemingly more than else. We claim that we love God, and I'm with you here. But the fact is, is that we love self more than we do our Savior many times. And the thing today that we have to put on the altar is our self. I've never seen it in such a way as it is today. And I speak to this most often, almost every Sunday, about sacrificing of self. And there was a day when all these things happened, and no quicker than they're talking then, it consumes the sheep. It doesn't stop there. Then what happens? Then the Chaldeans, that when you look, while he was yet speaking, in verse 17, there came another and said, The Chaldeans made out of three bands, and they fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. I know this sounds like a simple, and it is simple. Turn to somebody and say, why the camels? You know a camel can drink 30 gallons of water at one time. I don't mean like one gulp. But I mean like, it, like if they come to the trough that they can drink as much as 30 gallons. Wow. Why the camels? Camels are known, and this is the thing, camels can go without water I've seen all kinds of ranges from as many as six or seven days to 70 days or even longer. That's what it said. I tried to study this out and found out. I thought, well, you give me a real wide range here as I study. You say, why the camels? This is so important. The camels were used as, as, as a beast of burden, but what they did is that they could go through the dry places, they could go through the deserts, and they actually represented a supply line. Let me show you the third area of your life that, that the enemy wants to hit. He wants to hit your supply lines. He really wants to do whatever that he can. And the simpleness of this piece of Scripture is that, Jane, what he wants to do is to hit those that when you're going through a dry season and you're in the middle of a desert, he wants to hit those and hit anything that he can around you, those that pack you living water. Those that are there to refresh you in times of refreshing. The enemy wants to take those out. Now some of you are thinking, am I a camel? <laughs> Let me say this. If you're one of those people that encourage, if you're one of those people that notice, Lillian, if we're those that notice that when other people are dry, and maybe we send them a text, and to let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. See, what the enemy would love to do is cut all of that off. And then once again, attacking your supply line. There's never been a time to where you need encouragement. More than a pat on the back. More than something else that goes from a pat, but something that truly encourages you in your soul. Not the fact that you or I are a good person. Not that, but the fact that, hey, you're going to make it. The enemy is proceeding all of these things. It's hitting him. He's setting up his fight, and he does the same thing with us. The fourth thing. If you'll read on down, you'll find it here is this, is that a great wind came and it fell and the four corners of the house, if you will, fell, I think, and it killed his sons and his daughter. I think he had seven sons and three daughters. You're like, wow. Wow. And we look at Job's life and, man, we're all like, wow, man, he's got it going on. But today I want to say this to those of you that are here and you've suffered great loss. And I can't speak to the fact of the severity or the depth in which your loss was. But what I want to tell you today, right here midstream before I finish, 
is that God is on your side. I want to stop right now and tell you that God is aware of everything that is going on in your life. And what he has permitted, he has not done that to throw your fight, but rather for you to win the fight in chapter 42. I'm getting there. Stay with me. All of these things happen. And we look at Job's life. And this time, one after another thing comes. When he hits with the kids, wow, those are the things that hurt us, aren't they? Our kids. You know, I want to tell you right now that that hurts God's too. When his hurts God also, it hurts the father also when his kids are getting attacked. It hurts the father. Why is that? The word of God would say this in Psalm 127. The children are a heritage unto the Lord. Now I'm going to preach to the end of this here in a moment because we see that. I started with that verse about his sons and his sons' sons and all these things in the generations. But Kevin, this is the key here. This is what we can see that if we begin to look, we can tell right here what's going on. The enemy wants to stop every piece of hope, everything that he can, and he wants to stop the heritage. But these children are God's heritage. They're God's heritage. And you know the peace, the messengers. I want to speak to that real quick. Isn't it amazing how you can get one text and it changes your whole day? So they call that Facebook what? Is it called Facebook Messenger? Am I right or not? Is it just called Messenger? Y'all quit looking at me like I don't know nothing because I don't know nothing. Is it called Messenger? Thank you. So what happens is that one of those things come. And you get this message and you get that message. And before you know it, it's bombarding you. And if you're not careful, you'll set up a dialogue with the devil. Can I tell you, hell is always sending messages, but I don't have to click it and I don't have to receive it in the name of Jesus. Because one after another, sometimes no quicker than I'll get down from here today, no quicker than I'll be going to the funeral home after this, no quicker than that, the enemy will start. But I've got a choice right then not to click that. I've got a choice right then to say, I'm not even going to read that. Because you know what? I've read the text, and I win in the end in the name of Jesus. A good friend of mine sent this text, sent a text to me lately, and I think he shared it even with our men's group. Love what he said. He said something to this effect. God... God said, I sent you a text before there was even a thing called text. And it's the truth, and it's believing God's word. So the fourth thing is we see this all happening and all these things coming one after another. I'm getting to the point. Hang on. Pow, 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 pow. I preached this years ago, and I said Job was a prize fighter. The greatest prize was not the camels. The greatest prize was not the ox and even his kids. The greatest prize is your relationship to God. And ultimately, that is what the enemy is after. That's what he's after. So I'm getting this picture here. Here's the thing. The Word said, verse 20, please. Then Job arose. 
I don't know if he was sitting down. I don't know if he was kneeling down. I don't know if he was bending. I don't know if he's like, oh, oh. And just the rapid succession of what's hitting him. And it's more than he can take. And he gets to that point just like we do. God, this is more than I can handle. And if somebody ever told you that God will not put more on you than you can bear, it's not in Scripture. He did say that if you were tempted, he would give you a way of escape. But I will tell you this, I believe that God will permit more to be put on you than you can stand or take. Why? So that you'll not be able to count on yourself, but you'll have to call on God. Have I got anybody that understands that? Well, God's not going to put more on me than I can stand. I said, that ain't my life. Because there's a lot of things I can't stand. But I'll tell you, had it not, had it not been for God, he does this, he gets up, and then extreme, extreme point of grief. He rents his mantle, he shaves his head, he does all of this, and it's something outward that's going on inward because he doesn't know, and it's like all the wind is knocked out of him, and it's a gut punch. And then Job, when he can get his words out, look what he did. Then Job rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and quit. He folded up. It's not worth it. It's too much. What did he do? He worshipped. He worshipped. I've watched you walk in here. Not just for the past two and a half years. I've watched people walk through this door, whether the altar was or the pulpit was there, 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 wherever. And I've watched you so burdened down by the enemy. I've watched you pack in your own weight. I've watched you pack in your child's weight. I've watched you pack in the marriage, the marriage weight, the addiction, every bit. Of, I've watched you pack all of that in. And the enemy, but listen, the enemy has tried his best. And yet you arose and you walked in here and said, I'm looking for some hope. I want to declare there's hope in this house today. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. There's hope. Why don't somebody just shout there's hope? Say it again. Say there's hope. You run every piece of hell out of here when you declare hope. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy every ounce and piece of hope that you have. Somebody said, Brother Wayne, why don't you just quit? Because I have hope. That if he saved me, he can save you. That if he delivered me, he can deliver. Anybody else know what I'm... Brother Wayne, you don't know that this happened. You don't know that that happened. You don't know this. You don't know that. There's some of you in here today that it's everything that you can do to stand. Can I tell you, get to your knees and worship God and say this. I brought nothing into this world. I'm not going to take anything out. But I'm going to remind hell right now, you're not going to take from me the one thing that matters. Because that's what he's after. Plays that what if game with your mind because you and I allow it. When I said Wednesday night and I meant it, I've given ground to the enemy. I repent before you. I repent before God. And I'm telling you this, that I've given the enemy ground that was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. I'm here today to take it back in the name of Jesus and declare he can't have my peace. He can't have my hope. And he can't have my future. Praise be to God. 
Naked I came in and naked I came out. You've heard before, Charlie, we've heard this before. <laughs> we've heard this before. I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. I have. Brother Mike, I was coming down I-65 one day, and there was some kind of old, it was an old one. It was an old hearse, and sure enough, behind it, I'm telling you the truth, it was right there at the rest stop coming out or around Shepherdsville. I looked over, and I said, well, there's a hearse. And I said, and it's got a trailer behind it. I said, what? You can believe that. I know what I saw. But I'm telling you right now that we brought nothing into this world and we're not going to take anything out of this world. I want to tell you right now, we'll leave this world having declared and having experienced the blood, hallelujah, and a testimony that we have served God, we believe God, we've trusted God, and we're going home to God. He's attacking at any level that he can. I'm here today to encourage you. This other stuff, and listen, the Holy Ghost just reminded me, encourage him. I'm encouraging you today. I know this is a life app message, but I want to tell you, hell wants everything you got that looks like God and is God in your life. The Word said this, saying, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You've read that and I've read them. I used another piece of scripture to tie it in with this one. Let me tell you what he didn't do. Remember, this is an unseen realm. He's not saying or ascribing anything to Satan. Satan's not mentioned here. But the one thing that he does is something that's important for us. Quit giving the devil credit for what God is permitting. That's heavy. That's heavy. Say this with me. Say all things. Work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Is that true, yes or no? If it's true, say hallelujah. It's true. So when He does this, what He doesn't do is He doesn't give the devil credit. He said, God has given and God has taken away. I've heard people say before, and listen, I know that this is not going to work theologically for some of you. I know God loves me. I know the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to tell you, I do not give the power to the enemy and say that he has the power to kill me. Some of you ain't going to believe that. No weapon formed against me. Let's give other people an opportunity. No weapon formed against me. Doesn't say it wouldn't be formed. But I'm going to tell you this. If God is for me, well, listen to y'all. Do you hear me? I do not give the devil the power over me in death. Pastor, I need scripture. I need scripture. I need scripture. Good. Because the word of God said that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And Jesus killed death itself when he got up on that third day and declared that I'm alive. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Saying the devil did this and that I understand that. But can I tell you, if you put a devil in every doorknob, you'll give him the power over that doorknob to enter into your life. The Lord giveth. Nothing happens in my life outside of God 
permitting it. I know that's reckon some of you theologically, and I can tell you this, I know that in some circles today, in much of the prophetic and different things, I know that, but can I tell you something? Quit giving the devil the power. I hope that makes sense to you, because it sure does to me. Somebody said this, or this next piece is simply this. He said this, he didn't sin nor charge God foolishly. Here's where it's at. Jacob won't be much longer. He said this. He didn't charge God foolishly. At that point in your life, and this is where we see people being sifted, they start blaming God. When you can say that God is for me and not against me, then that means anything that happens, that holy potter is the one that is shaping me and the one, Tammy, that is working on me and that is working out the imperfections. Yet he never blamed God. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to show your hands. How much are you blaming God for right now? Instead of blaming God, start praising God. And say, God, how can I believe Jeremiah 29, 11 and declare that you have a plan for my life? And yet at the same time blaming you, how can I have both bitter and sweet coming out of my mouth? Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Turn to somebody and say, give no place to the devil. Praise God. Round two. Doesn't work, Satan. Think it's over, it's finished. Satan goes back to God. God permitting once again says, okay, he says you can attack his body, but you can't take his life. God permits him to do that. Now, this is hard. Now, I'm telling you this. I, I, I'm telling you that when it says giving God, giving God thanks for everything, that's tough. But here is where this all lies, and I'm going to remind you again where I started is that God knows. Terry, I love this because God knows our end from the beginning. Can I give you it? Just let me give you this real quick. Somebody, I heard this shared years ago. I've shared it here before, but I have seen this to be so relevant, Amy, in my life. I've seen this. Is that it's as though all of us today, I'll be with you. It's as though all of us today are in a rowboat and we're rowing backwards looking at the things that have been. And we're continually rowing. Turn to somebody and say, keep on rowing. And we're doing this, okay? And we're looking back to our beginning of where we've come. But God is already here. He knows you're in from the beginning. Hell wants to do everything that it can and stop your destiny and do anything, Jake, in your life, my life, or anybody else's life. Keep rolling. Because here's the fact of the matter. God knew you when you took your first breath. Can I tell you? That God knew you, according to the book of Jeremiah, before you were even formed in the womb. God had a purpose for your life before there was even a person, Charlie, to be called you in your life. God builds us. I love this, Chris. God builds us by person. Excuse me, by purpose. Turn to somebody and say, I've got a purpose. 
Because here's what happened. Those people that don't have purpose, they'll quit rowing and they'll just go adrift. God has purposed things in us. And this is so critical and so key. Round two, real quick. So you can attack his body, and here he is, man, and almost to the point of being disfigured, and the enemy does. He disfigures his body. He does that. He's got bulls. He's got this and that. He's scraping them. He's doing all of that. And so what happens is that the enemy attacks his body, and here's his friends that are coming. They're coming. I'll talk about his wife in just a minute. His friends are coming. They see him afar off. They see him and say, is that Job? You see, this is what grief and hurt will do to you. You don't look like you. You're hurting. And what is that? It's because what is inside is now coming to the outside. And it hurts. And it hurts. Round two, the enemy's going deeper. Family and friends. You're living in a time right now to where sons hate their fathers. Mothers are being hated by their daughters. Why? Because of cultural school systems and because of governmental agency and different things or whatever that it is that think they have more control over your child and more... Can I tell you something? It's really not your child, but how many of you believe that's God's child? What you are seeing before us right now, Penny, what we are seeing right now is the government saying, I can do a better job with your child than you can do with your child. We've got the statistics. We've got the psychologist. It's already out. We know that we can do a better job raising. You can't raise my child in Jesus' name. I'm going to raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm afraid to say that, Pastor. I'm not. Now, friends and family, going deeper. Praise team, come. Praise team, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? For those of you that say, oh, he's wrapping up, it'll be a minute. Because i got to get to my point. Your friends don't even recognize you. How many of you have had some friends that have been part of your healing in the past? They've helped heal you. See, the thing is, is that sometimes all your friends are not healers, they're hecklers. And the closer you get to God, they'll start heckling us. Instead of being there to heal us, they'll heckle you. And they'll try to find the wrong in you. Have y'all figured out right now that you don't fit in? reason I don't fit in ain't because I'm fluffy. It's not that. What you see, on, I know you think that dude big. Got to tell you something. There's something bigger on the inside of me than what you see. They won't let me fit in. And his name is Jesus. I said, his name is Jesus. Let's talk about his wife. Job. Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just quit, Job? Just quit. No adage, though none go with me. Still, I will follow. 
you got to make up your mind that you're not going to follow your kids out of church. That even if your kids quit coming to church, you're still going to come. Don't be ashamed to let your children hear you pray. Don't be ashamed to let your children say, oh, no, he's going to witness again to them. They don't know what's coming. Lord, help them. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. So when all this stuff comes... All of these things have hit him, his own wife. Verse 9 of chapter 2. And said his wife, Dost thou still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Job, look at you. Look at you. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as a foolish woman. Speaks. You know what that means in my version? Are you crazy? But you're crazy. Don't you remember the God we sacrificed to? Don't you remember the God that gave us everything? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all of this, did not Job sin with his lips? What's the enemy after? He's after that. You're getting ready to experience a time to where God will even, excuse me, God will permit and God will allow even the people that are closest to you to speak against the God that you were sold out to. You're dealing with that today. By the way, I've got the answer here. I'm bringing you the answer. I'm getting ready to bring you the answer, the message. Round two, and I'm going to speak this. I, Holy Spirit gave me this about Job's wife. How many of y'all like want to just throat punch Job's wife right there? Y'all just like, it's like I don't really mean that, Josh. I mean it just, you know. Now I'm thinking, how could she do that? And the Holy Ghost reminds me this morning, she was hurting too. I missed it. Her sons and daughters were taken too. Her home was taken too. So when you can't see why other people are hurting, and they may even do this, can I tell you, there's other people around you that are hurting too, and there are people that are close to you. Somebody say grace. There's other people that are hurting too. And there's other people because they're hurting, they'll lash out at you, they'll lash out at any of it. Almost What's the two things that matter here? I got two things. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. I'll give you time. Two things that are two pieces of Scripture. Two pieces of Scripture, Stephanie, that I think helps all of us through this time. Job chapter 14. Job, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Job, since we were in the book of Job, get off my back. I'm just teasing. Job chapter 14, verse 14. 
Kathy, in your heading, I wrote this down. The key to the afterlife or making it through. The key to the afterlife, the key to getting to chapter 42. This is something that I find in two pieces of Scripture in this whole narrative of Job's life, Jake, and I think it's important. It's one of my favorite pieces of Scripture, as many are. So Job chapter 14 and verse 14 says this, Finley. I love it. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. We're just in chapter 14. We've got almost 30 chapters to finish, and he's going to get a barrage of things from his friends that try to help him, and all they're doing is trying to indict him and saying, this is all your fault. Can I tell you, there are some things that are not your fault. Now, don't become narcissistic and say, it's not ever my fault. But there are some things that God is just using you for his glory and for his purpose. How many of you are thankful for the book of Job? So much insight. This is deeper. So Job, in the midst of this, hell is attacking. Hell is coming. Remember, he still doesn't see Ruby. He still doesn't see the enemy. He just knows that I don't know where this is coming from. Right, Ashlyn? Does that make sense? I don't even know. And then Job gives me and you this powerful witness. Say, I'm going to wait. Say, I'm going to wait till my change come. Say it with me. I'm going to wait till my change come. Your husband's waiting for you to change. Your wife's waiting for you to change. Your boss is waiting for you to change. Your people are waiting for you to change. And God has given you the patience to change because He's long-suffering. In the midst of this, this is one of the hardest things. How many of you love to wait in line? If anybody raises it, I'm going to shout you down right now if you raise your hand. I'm pretty impatient. Thank you. Put it right here, buddy. Put it right here. Can we thank God right now, right on cue? I'm impatient. I'm not going to ask for all of you to do this, but how many of you that when you're in the line there at McDonald's and they said, would you please pull over to slot number two? We'll bring your order out to you. And you absolutely lose your mind. Then you get it, and you order the number three, and you got a number nothing. Where are my fries? Siler, my grandson, kid, this is true, Cindy. Siler, I think we ordered him some fries, like some kind of little happy meal. Can I tell you, when stuff ain't in there, it ain't nothing about a happy. It's supposed to be fries in that box. Siler opens up the box, it's full of pickles. Can you imagine that? Some of you are like, that's my life right now, Brother Wayne. It's sour pickles, that's what it is. I ordered fries and got pickles. Stay with me. I'm going to wait till my change comes. But waiting, waiting is hard. I am so impatient. Amy knows it. I can't wait till the sun gets up. I'm like, Lord, I know it's coming, but where's it at? But I'm going to wait till my change comes. You know what it didn't say? It didn't say this, Sue. Lord, I'm going to wait till till Sue changes. Lord. 
<laughs> I love my wife. I'm not going to say anything. Can I tell you something? I know when I'm walking, walking on holy ground, there's other times I'm, I'm just scared. I'm going to wait. Say, I'm going to wait till my change comes. This is important for you and I. Because waiting is hard. Change, as much as we want it, we want it to happen like that. And so often, through the power of the Holy Ghost, it is sanctification. So many things. You can be saved in a moment. But it, listen, you can become a Christian in, in a second. But it takes a lifetime to become one. Or excuse me, to be one. It's sanctification. Now here it is. Say, those that wait upon the Lord. Say, He's going to renew my strength. I'm going to mount up with wings like eagles. I'm going to run and not grow weary. I'm going to walk and not faint. If you believe that, say hallelujah. Here's the key. I'm trying to get you into this. This is why. Those that wait on the Lord. Good things we hear come to those that wait. In a microwave society, man, the crock pot has no relevance. But if you ain't ever had <laughs> some roast in a crock pot, Jack, good things. Real quick, the waiting by itself is hard. Can you pull up the next verse that we have? And it's going to be this one. This is the thing. I'm going to wait till my change come. Job gives me that. And this, is, this verse makes it so much easier, and it's coupled together. Now it's another, it's a later chapter in verse 19 and 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Can I tell you, after Hitler fell, after Khrushchev fell, after all Mussolini, after all of those, uh, any, any of those rulers that have been even within our lifetime of hearing, and even the ones like Caesars, all of the Caesars, any of those, all of those, can I tell you, they live, they're dead, they're gone. Can I tell you, after Putin dies, after anybody else dies, God's still going to be alive. And as much as hell tries to thwart anything that it can in your mind, if Jesus is living on the inside of you, you will not. You're going to die a physical death, but hallelujah and glory be to God that even when this dies, I'm still going to be living. When he says, now this is where it's good, waiting and knowing. Almost done. I know my Redeemer liveth. Danielle, I love this part that I know that in the end, it'll be my Redeemer. It'll be mine that there in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, one day, he's the one on the white horse that's coming. And then those of us that have been with him seven years, what most people would say is seven, those of us that have enjoyed the marriage supper of the Lamb, that have been there, we're going to come back. And it doesn't matter what type of nuclear weapon. It doesn't matter what type of anything is in his way. The Word of God says that he's going to kill him with the power of his mouth. Praise be to God. Can you declare this with me? Say, I know my Redeemer liveth. Here's what's going to help you. General, why doesn't he say, I know my King lives, my Savior lives? Why does he say, I know my Redeemer liveth? I know my Redeemer lives. The one that bought and paid for my soul. 
I know my Redeemer lives because what hell wants to do and what Satan wants to do is tell you that you're not worth it. Wants to do anything and everything that it can, Rick, to tell you that you're not fully paid for. You've not done enough. But it's the waiting and the knowing. Because waiting will drive you crazy without knowing. Amen, preacher. It's pretty simple. I'm in my early teens. Mom and dad got divorced when I was about five. I think I was probably before I was five. My dad, it was a struggle for years and different things. And, and I remember taking a brown paper bag. My dad would come down and get us on the weekends. He would say he was coming. And I would put in that little brown paper bag. I would put a pair of socks, maybe some drawers and some shorts. And it's going to save my old shoes, but I don't think I had new shoes, so my shoes. And I would put that in there at 11 or 12 years old. I'd wrap that down. I'd put that in there. He would tell me he was coming. And I would sit there on the step. He told me about and I, okay, he lived in Louisville. And I would wait there at Lilac Road. I'll never forget. Miss Dean, you know the house. She lives there now. And I sat there and I would wait. And the longer I waited, the more I doubted. I kept I just. And I got to where I even got up off the steps and he would pull in over across the road. Wouldn't pull in our drive. He'd pull in across the road. And I even went over there, Ron. I went even went over there and I, I took my bag and I sat down in the gravel. Has he come and I've missed him? And I waited. And the longer I waited, the more disheartened I became. Sitting in the gravel waiting. And I'd hear my mom, I remember this more than once. For that one night, she hollered from across the house. It was across the road. She said, Wayne, I don't believe he's coming. Come on home, son. The waiting was part of it, but the not knowing was the hardest. Here's what I know today. I know my Redeemer lives. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm bought and I'm paid for. I'm not giving any place to the devil to say that if I do enough, preach enough, sing enough, pray enough, if I do, can I tell you that'll never be enough because the blood of Jesus has to be enough. Today, I don't know what you're waiting for, but I can tell you this. I know the one I'm waiting for. And I can assure you today that God is a God that cannot lie. He sees you right where you are. He knows your pain. He knows your struggle. He knows everything. And listen, the enemy wants to thwart it right here. But Job, in the middle of this storm here, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. The end. Chapter 42. Turn to somebody and say, you ain't seen nothing yet. The enemy does not want you to believe chapter 42. He wants you to stay right where you are in the same situation you're in, bound by the same circumstances and the same lies that the enemy has changed you with. 
I believe chapter 42. This says this. That Job, in verses 1 through 6, him and God is talking. And by the way, can I tell you something? When you and the Father start talking, you'll start understanding a little bit more. And what he does is this. He confesses before God. He said in his dust and his ashes, he repents before God. Wait a minute. I thought Job had never sinned. I thought he'd never... But there's something here hidden, Jane, that we can see is that Job begins to confess that, God, I'm sorry, I didn't understand it all. I didn't see that the enemy was working. Job never cursed God. But what happened is this, is that he was tempted with at least three things. Pride and the pride in the life that he had walked. He also, you could see inklings of self-justification if you're writing them down. Pride, self-justification. And the third one is he almost got mad at God. He definitely, no doubt, I know how many of y'all wanted to wring his friend's neck. And animosity. The three things that you and I have got to guard against in the end is pride. Well, Lord, why? Do I don't deserve this. I ain't done nothing wrong. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes stuff just happens. And you got to figure out, you and I got to figure out who's going to get the glory, the devil or God. Give you one last verse. How many of you have ever thought, I, I didn't deserve that? God, what's going on? Look at verse 10 of chapter 42. Very teaching today, but this. Job now sets up a dialogue with God. God is reminding him, and the previous chapter there tells you, as God is comparing him to a couple of different things, but he brings him to this point. Job is where I want to bring all of us to, is confession and forgiveness. Verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Is that what the Word of God says, yes or no? How many of you don't want to be bound by anything that the devil has put on you anymore? You don't want to be bound by it. God was reminding me earlier in the week. He said, don't let it be. He said, don't. He said, don't let the residue become a resident in your life. Meaning that there's things that are on the inside of you. Don't let that be, become that. Take a residency in your life. So the Word of God said that the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. It's not easy to pray for people that seemingly has been against you and that have attacked you. But when did it turn for Job? When he prayed for his friends. If I were to ask you how many of you all got some people that need prayer. Somebody's told me before, they've said things, Brother Wayne, you seem like you have ought against your father. I love my father. But I can tell you this. I personally, I want to say this right, I personally had to bury my father more than once. Now when I say that, I speak that spiritually. It's because what I see is that the old man, not just me, but also the ancestral heritage that I have raises up in me. The same angers that I believe were passed down, not just through my father, but all the way back to Adam. Let me go a little deeper because you need it and I need it. The fact is, is this, remember the enemy wants you to get, he wants you to blame God. I've had to bury my father so that I couldn't blame my father anymore and declare that I have a new life in Christ Jesus. 
I have a heavenly father that loves me and cares for me. So when I say that, there's real truth in that. But all of this changed when he prayed for his friends. And guess what happened? He didn't just have a few sheep. He gets bunches of sheep. He ain't just got a few yoke of oxen. He got a bunch of oxen. He gets all of this. And not only that, the kids. God blesses him, man, double. Why? Because he fought it out. He stayed. He never gave up on God. Seems pretty simple. Bring us to you. How long has it been since you've asked the Holy Ghost to shine a light into the cellar of your soul? I heard something mentioned lately that if we're not careful, the preaching will end up being something that collars or puts people in bondage because we preach against sin. Can I tell you, as long as I'm aimed to be here on this earth, I feel like that I will always preach against sin and for God. Can I tell you, I, I, I mean that. So today, to be able to ask God this, if I were to ask you, that is everything right in your life? Is everything, when we look at those things in our life, have we allowed the enemy to attack us with fear, anxiety, any of those things? Can we confess that as sin and say, God, I've allowed the enemy to take control of my life. In the end, Job comes out, mm, that waiting, that all of that, that waiting, but that knowing. I'm waiting for the Lord to come back. I feel more pressure now than I ever have. I do, and yet I feel more freedom than I've ever known. He said, that don't even sound right, yet it is, yet it is. No, I want you to take just a moment to forget about everybody else. If, you, if it takes bowing your head, closing your eyes, do that, okay? I'd like to make this personal right now. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come. I know you're here, but come in a mighty, even, even in a mightier way. Come right now, Lord. Come right now. The Word of God said that the Lord actually set Job free. Nobody's really looking around, but how many of you today really need to be free? You need to be set free about what other people think about you, how you feel about them. Listen, you need to be set free, whether it's the addiction, whether it's him, her, what. Really, let's just call it what it is. If it's sin, let's call it that. But how many of you today say, Lord, I want to be free? Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Are there more? Are there more? Please don't be ashamed. Please don't be ashamed. How many of you right now have got somebody in your life that's very heavy on you? I believe the Holy Ghost is moving and, and you're just impressed. I've got to pray for them. I've got to pray for them. Many of you have children, prodigals. We've got to pray for them. God, you're going to turn this around. You're going to turn this around. And then, Lord, today just brings us to an altar to pray together as a family. But those of you here that you know that things are not right, I'm not living right. Can I tell you that if you're not living right, then we're probably not going to die right. Holy Ghost, you do what you do. 
Some of you today right now said, boy, I just need more of him. Heavenly Father, right now, pour it out. Holy Ghost, sweep through this place. Fill and flood every soul, God, that is ready for more. Do what you do. Right now, I just, I just want to go ahead and speak this, just rebuking in the name of Jesus. Kidney disease. Even urinary tract right now, just, just rebuking that, just speaking healing over your life. Some of you right now are pondering, saying, this is not right in my life. It involves your kids. It involves your spouse. It involves so much. I want you to bring them in your soul. I want you to bring them and give them to God. I don't want this to be a weight to you anymore. Give them to God. And then how many of you today could just simply say, I surrender. Lord, today one lost, save them, set them free. From the front to the back, I can tell you this, don't let anything hold you if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Thank you, Jesus. As you stand to your feet, those of you that raised your hand, come. Those of you that are intercessors and say, can I tell you something? I, will y'all pray for my kids? Jake's up here, what? Will y'all pray for my kids? Would y'all pray for my grandkids? Would you pray for my family? Pastor White, is there something wrong? No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but can I tell you, I covet your prayers. I covet your prayers. As you come to this altar this morning, pray for my family. I'm going to pray for yours. If you're here today and things are not right, let's leave right today as you stand to your feet. Come on, you can stand. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I need to get out. <laughs> I need to get out. Would you please let me out? I, I need to go pray. I need to pray. Why don't you come and give this to God? He's not done. He's not done. Why don't you come? You came this far. You made it to church. But don't stop short here. I believe there's some people ready. It's been good to be in the house of God this morning. Go ahead and stretch across the aisles. Join the hand, the one next to you. Y'all think it's been a while since we've done that. If you don't want to hold their hand, just tell them, I don't want to hold your hand. Don't mean to stress you or burden you or anything else. I'm going to let you leave with something, okay? I'm headed out to the funeral home here in just a few moments and uh, always cover your prayers. But You've heard me say so many times before that you can be sitting in church with somebody one Sunday. And the next Sunday, I've told you that I may be doing their funeral. Well, it's true. She said over to preacher's right on the wall, by the window, usually. She had blonde hair, wonderful person. People called her Cookie. Her name was Martha Cecil. She was a great encourager. Last Sunday I went and I shook her hand and it was the same smile, the same kindness that she always exhibited. She went to be with Jesus on Monday. 
She didn't have cancer. She didn't have diabetes. She really didn't have Beth. We don't know that she had anything other than she had Jesus. It's heavy on me. Because so many times, and by the way, I'm not frustrated. I promise I'm not. Because the enemy would love to work in my frustrations. If I would say, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? Because, so I'm not frustrated, okay? I don't want to frustrate the grace of God in that realm too. But I want you to hear me today. That if you don't know him, it really matters. Could you do me a favor? Please. Don't ask me to preach your funeral if I don't know where you're going. I don't have the words to fit. I'm glad you're here. But boy, don't I want to see you there. Do we just let it go in one ear and out the other? I want you to hear me today that this sister back here that just said she gave her life to the Lord, to Jenny that said she rededicated, that young lady that just come up here and prayed, said that something take, had taken place in her life when she was 13. She won't mind me saying this, but when you ask somebody, if you died today, do you know where you'll go? And if they look at you like, I don't know, can I tell you, I want to know where I'm going when I die. I'm not even trying to pull on your heartstrings. But I'm just telling you, this is real to me, Travis. It's real to me. So I'll go. And I'll tell some people about Jesus. And I'll tell them how he's the only way. And I thank God for that lady's witness. You don't know her, but I believe God did. Lord, we love you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for that soul that was saved and secured today. Thankful for Jenny's testimony of rededicating to the Lord. God, and today, I believe there were others. Holy Ghost, I believe you prompted me that there's some people going through some things. And God, today, I'm just thankful. you tune somebody's ear into you and that God today would you put an urgency within each and every one of us to become soul winners <laughs> and God today for those that are waiting and for those God attack, just tie that together with the knowing and let them leave here Holy Ghost there's never been a time sweep through here give us another Pentecost change our lives God that we may change others We rebuke the devourer in Jesus' name and we declare that you are for us and not against us. We give you all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said hallelujah. Hey everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. 
And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.